Hello, and welcome to The Hobby Shelf. This is a podcast where we talk about books. You're going to have to start again. I swallowed. Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Wait, hold on a second. I swallowed a drink, therefore the entire intro is ruined. Hello, and welcome to The Hobby Shelf. This is a podcast where we talk about books, board games, and really just anything we're interested in. This is episode 14, and today we're going to give our review of 2019. I'm Brenna, a freelance editor and an avid reader. And I'm Oren, a fake English major with a concentration in board games. You gotta stop talking like that. I'm gonna (laughs) cringe through the entire episode. Come on! Oh, look, I already clipped already. No, I've clipped too. It's fine. All right, so this is our last episode of the year. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's not really exciting. Like, it's exciting that we've now been podcasting for 12, 14 episodes, sorry. Mm-hmm. But like, it's the last episode of a year. Oh my gosh. It's because the year's almost over. Am I ready for 2019 to end? I don't yes. know. Are you? Yeah. 100%. I'm ready for 2020. 2020 sounds so futuristic. <laughs> it does. Seriously. It's a new decade. It's like, wow, new decade. Things are going to be so different. <laughs> Probably not, actually. January 1st, 2020, everything's going to change. You heard it here, the hobby shelf. Speaking of, so this is our last episode of the year. We will be back on January 6th <clears throat> with our 2020 goals. So that will be our next episode. What does 2020 goals entail? Like your. What are, if you have any board game goals for 2020, if you want to have a board game goal, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking reading goals is easy. That's what I was thinking. of. You'll have to come up with something. <laughs> okay. Okay. Finish a board game. That could be a goal. Like create a board game. Yeah. Oh, that probably has and will always be a goal for the rest of my life. Cause I might never finish one. Don't be so pessimistic. Oh no, that's not pessimism. That's just realism. <laughs> Board games are rarely ever finished. The people who design board games will even tell you that they could have continued to design the board game that you're playing after it's published and continued, because perfection is never achievable when it comes to board games. I mean, I guess you could say that about books as well. Mm-hmm. You just continue to edit and rewrite and edit and rewrite and edit and rewrite. Yep. You just have to get to a point where you're at least 99% satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what have you been playing lately? I have been playing Keeper. We played that three days ago, two days ago. Oh my gosh. Um, We played that more than two days ago. We played that like last week. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that feels like it was two days ago. Then we played Terraforming Mars. That was two days ago. Mm -hmm. And we also yesterday ended up playing a game called Snowdonia, which I think we've mentioned on the podcast before. Yep. But yeah, it was fun. It was a good week of games. Like, they were solid games. They're long games. Terraforming Mars is, like, a solid three-hour game. Keeper can go that long as well. And uh, It was only two of us playing Keeper, though, so it wasn't that long. Yeah, Snowdonia wasn't too long, but it was... Uh, it was fun. It was fun. I Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, Did you... Oh, I also have been reading The Ninth House. Mm-hmm. And this week, we finished, we finished... N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season. <laughs> Yes. 
We finished the fifth season, and it was so good. It was very good. We finished it yesterday, actually, and we have decided we're going to buy the next two on audio and listen to them together. Even though we're going to buy the books as well, because we want to own the books. But we want to... We talked about it, and we agreed that we'd rather experience it through audio again, because then we can read it at the same time mm-hmm. with each other, mm-hmm. which was really fun with this book, because we got to figure out what was actually going on Yeah. as we listened. Yeah. How would you rate it? Oh, five stars, hands down. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't really have a rating system, but this is one of the best books that I've read so far. Honestly, maybe I'm just too early, too, like, early, too young, too naive in my book reading thing but every book i read is like oh this is the best book i've ever read no you know why that is though what because i keep recommending them to you oh and i know what you'll like possibly possibly i am also close to the climax of the ninth house and i'm enjoying the ninth house it's very good it is um yeah i like the i like the book it's good 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 it's uh i'm going to go out on a limb and say that if I were to use the same one to five star rating that Brenna uses, I would give this one so far a four stars. It hasn't amazed me yet, um, but I have enjoyed it. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I like rating, like seeing what books, or sorry, what ratings books have at the beginning. And then they have like the potential to get better or worse, depending yeah. on what happens as it goes. Yeah, I have not been amazed by the book, but I have thoroughly enjoyed it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been reading quite a few books this week as well. Yep. So, finished the fifth season, obviously. I read a book called The Paris Seamstress by Natasha Lester. I gave that one four stars. Okay, I had a really hard time rating this book. So, it's about this girl named Estella, who lives in France during World War II, and she kind of accidentally gets involved with, like, people shipping papers, like the French Resistance, I guess. She gets involved with them accidentally and has to leave France and go live in New York. And she designs clothes, hence the Paris seamstress. The seamstress part. Yeah. And so it's kind of about her story and the things that she gets involved in. There's a lot going on. I don't want to give a lot away Mm. because it's kind of a mystery. You have to piece it together as you go. But (laughs) the reason why I didn't know how to rate this book, I hated a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) In the sense that, okay, I loved it because I loved the characters and the book made me feel so much. Like, I was on the verge of tears for a lot of the book. I loved the characters. I wanted things to work out for them. But a lot of the plot points, like, the most of the main conflict in this story could have been solved if people had just talked to each other. And it makes me so angry. Mm. It's like, you know, okay, so in Romeo and Juliet, the whole plot could have been solved if the communication had actually gone through properly. Yeah. Right? It was like that for this book, but it happened like 10 times. Mm. And it was just infuriating. Like, I hate that. I This is probably my new top pet peeve for books is when plots revolve around people just not freaking talking to each other. Yeah. Like, what? I just don't get it. Just talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell Brenna is getting, um, or feels strongly about this because she's actually louder than me for once on the podcast, and that's shocking. <laughs> no, no, that's I love it. It's awesome. But so I couldn't, I couldn't decide what to rate this book because I really liked the book, but I hated that that was like the main plot device. I think it's hilarious to me that you hated something about this book so much, but you still gave it four stars. 
I gave it four stars because it made me feel really strongly. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I was like wavering. You liked between the three writing. You liked the writing, but the plot was frustrating. Yes. And the plot wasn't even bad. It was just frustrating. Yes, exactly. Like the plot points could have been good if they had happened for different reasons. Do you, would you say that they were good anyways, in spite of the fact that they were because of a reason that you disliked? Or would you say that the plot is therefore just completely degraded by the fact that everything could have been solved by just speaking to each other? Some of it was just degraded from that. Some of it is good. Mm. Some of it is not. Mm. So, but that's why I struggled with it. So I finished that book. And then I also finished The Jane Austen Project by Kathleen A. Flynn, which I talked about on episode 12 as one of my wishlist books. I loved it. I loved it so much. Awesome. It was like... It starts out as kind of a historical fiction, science fiction, because this is the one where two people go back in time to try and recover one of Jane Austen's manuscripts. Yeah. But then they end up, like, getting so entwined with Jane's life. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. the book almost turns into a Jane Austen novel because they're living... In Jane Austen's life? (laughs) Well, in that time, and they, like, become friends with her. Awesome. And things get really complicated. So it was a super fun book. I gave that one four stars as well. Because hmm. it didn't blow me away, but it was, like, great. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like I'm going to use the same one to five star rating for books, but I'm going to have very different criteria because sometimes you confuse me with your ratings. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You give out so many fours and fives and sixes. And we I know sixes. we talked about this. Oh, sorry. Fours and fives. <laughs> And rarely threes and never ones and twos. And I know we talked about this before because if you give out a one or a two, you just don't finish the book. Well, the thing is, is like five out of five is like, I loved it, but it's not perfect. I don't believe that any book can be perfect. Well, yeah, no book is perfect. We just talked about this, but like, I, I think I'm going to be a little harsher with my reviews. So for me saying five stars for N.K. Jemisin, it is five stars. Well, it's five stars for me too. Yeah. Yeah, but You're my belitt- five stars is... You are belittling my rating system right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Get out. Excuse me. I think I have a lot more experience rating books here. What? I've read three books this year. <laughs> I've read 92, so take that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Speaking of... My, I got put in my place. <laughs> my 92nd book that I... Um, actually, I technically haven't finished it yet. I have 20 pages left, so I'm going to finish it today. Yeah. Uh, it's called Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna rate this one yet because uh, the you rating. Need to see how it ends. Yeah, the rating is gonna depend on what happens in these next twenty pages. Hmm. But I really enjoyed it. It's about a girl named Queenie who lives in London. Hmm. She um, has Jamaican family, and she struggles a lot with self worth and. Uh, There's a lot of racism going on around her that's also making her struggle more with her self-worth. She's like, I think she's 25 in the book, and she just broke up with her long-term boyfriend, and she's trying to kind of figure out how to live in the aftermath of that. Mm. So it's pretty, it's like not a fun story. It's a a very gritty, I don't know, is gritty the word that you would use? Like, Uh, I don't even know that I would say gritty, it's just kind of painful (laughs) sad like it's depressing (laughs) it's enjoyable to read in that queenie is a very interesting character Mm -hmm. i'm not entirely sure that i like her very much but i also feel a lot for her because she first of all she gets herself into some horrible situations but also a lot of what happens to her is just the fault of society Mm. and i'm interested to see how it's going to wrap up yeah yeah so Mm. yeah 
Well, I'm interested to hear how it ends as well, because you've been kind of telling me about this one, and I'd like to know. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our years in review. How mm. how would you generally rate your your year? What would you say in general about your year of board games? Um, this year was a pretty great year for board games. Um, I technically am going to count this year for me as from essentially Christmas Day last year, mm-hmm. Christmas Day t- 2018 till the 24th night before Christmas this year, which hasn't happened yet, but will happen. I believe. Well, that's fair because yeah. we're recording before the new year. So. Yeah. I, oh, sorry, as it's I okay. yell at you guys, um, <laughs> we added 13, at least 13 games to the shelf this year. And you said we didn't add any this yeah. morning. You were like, oh, we didn't get many new games. 13. Yeah, 13 games. That's a lot of money that we tied up in that. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think most of them were gifts, though, weren't they? Most of them, if not all of them, were gifts. I don't think I bought... I think the only game that I bought this year was... Wavelength? Actually, that's not true. I bought Wavelength, Final Flicked here, The Island of El Dorado, and I bought Dice Forge Rebellion. I bought most of these. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, Gloomhaven was a gift. Ontour, Welcome to, Wingspan, Snowdonia, Clank in Space... Scythe, Splendor, Tiny Epic Zombies, those were all gifts. Yeah, but I feel like I bought at least half of them. Anyways, regardless, it doesn't matter who bought them. We now have 13 more games this year. Overall, I would rate all of these board games. I'm going to go with the Board Game Geek rating for these. As in, what I mean by that is I'm going to rate them out of 10 instead of out of 5. Are you going to rate all of these? No, but overall for this year, like an average, I think, for all of them... I think I would rate everything around an 8. Out of 10? An 8 out of 10, like, on average. There were some that are definitely less than 8. Um, There were some that are more than 8. But I think the mean is 8. And I think this is this year was heavily influenced by Gloomhaven, a gift that Brenna got me for... Was that... That was for Christmas. It was for Christmas last year. Yeah, for Christmas last year. Gloomhaven was incredible. Like, it was released in 2017, and it's still number one. It's... It's incredible. If you are looking for a story-driven experience, and I don't know, it's very niche though. Like, it's shocking to me that it is so high up because it's really targeted towards people who like tabletop role-playing games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just so good though. I think so. Is Gloomhaven your favorite game of the year? Um, it is my favorite game that I got this year. My favorite game that was released in 2019 is Wingspan. Same. Yeah, 100. percent there was also on tour released in 2019 and that was probably my big surprise for the year i never expected like this year was like it was a year of rolling rights yeah well i don't know like there were a lot of them released this year in 2019 and on tour was surprising to me like i did not realize how much i would love on tour Mm -hmm. but i really enjoyed on tour overall pretty amazing year the biggest disappointment of the year for me i think was the Island of El Dorado by El Dorado Games. Not that it's a bad game. It's actually a fairly solid game, but it just wasn't... Well, the experience for us playing with six people was not the best. Yeah, every time we tried to play it, it was just so mediocre. It was just never it was never fun. I think it's more ideal with four. Yeah, I think like we've we've tried, we've gave it another chance and tried playing it with four people and it was still, it was better with four people than six but it was never quite (sighs) it's not quite what you wanted it to be exactly i just i almost i wanted more 
from the game and I didn't it wasn't there for me. That's fair. I think we'll have to try playing it with the less random variant where your movement is not reliant on you rolling two dice, but you just get instead you get six oh, yeah. points and you can use you can assign them however you like to resource gathering or to movement. I think if we tried that, I might be more into this game because it feels like you need an amount of strategy in this game that you can't always get because of randomness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorites for the year, though, number one was Gloomhaven. Number two was Wingspan. Number three was On Tour. Number four was Scythe. Number five was Clank in Space. That's a pretty good rating. And not all of these were released in 2019. In fact, I think the only one of this year that was released in 2019 was On Tour. No, and Wingspan. Oh, and Wingspan. Oh, gosh. Yeah, sorry, Wingspan. Yeah. So overall, it's been an amazing year for games, especially Mm -hmm. for us. Like, we really got into it this year, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so, for sure. I mean, I've been getting more into board games since we started dating, but this year, I think, was like a really big... This was the year where I feel like I started learning more about board games, like the mechanics and... And you kind of made it your own. Yeah. You know, like... Like, I have have a a lot more fun with it now than I used to. Yeah, and you have your own taste now in board games, and you even have a board game on your wish list. I do. Which, you know, like, it's just kind of... It's nice for me. (laughs) I like it. I'm glad that I've successfully converted you to a hobby gamer. No, that's interesting, too, because I also think that this is the year that you really started getting into reading. Absolutely, one hundred percent. This year was a. This year was probably the best year of reading that I've ever had. Period. And by that I mean like I've enjoyed almost every book I've read. I, I don't think I didn't enjoy a single book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've read more books than I have since I don't know elementary school. Maybe like, <laughs> like I don't. I didn't even read books in high school. I read textbooks in uni now, but like I don't count that. Like even in high school, like I went dash to English all the way and for those of you who are from other countries other than canada what that means is essentially not smart english (laughs) (laughs) that is insulting to people in dash too it's not it's not that you're not smart it's just for the people who don't apply themselves to english there's an option for them in canada to take dash to english and you watch more movies (laughs) (laughs) i'm not even joking that's what it is (laughs) yeah so like i didn't even really read books in high school so for me, this year was a huge year for reading. What were your, what did you read this year? I mean, it would be, you have read 92 books. So for you to mm-hmm. go through every book that you've read this year would be insane. But I guess what are your top five books of the year if you have one or? Oh, I do. I, well, I think I, I wrote down more than five. Hang on. Well, I wrote five, down. Six, I think I wrote down seven. I wrote down six highlights. The one that I didn't mention in my top five was Snowdonia. It was definitely a highlight for me this year. Mm-hmm. It's not technically our game. It's actually our family's. Like, my parents own it. Yeah. And they got it on my suggestion because they're into... Ticket to Ride. Into Well, not into Ticket to Ride, but they're just into a lot of train games. Oh, yeah. Um, like Rails and Sails. Yeah. And Rail, Rails and Sails is still Ticket to Ride, oh, by the way. Oh, not Rails and Sails. What um, am I trying to think of? Rail Baron. That's the one. Yeah. Rail Baron. And I just kind of recommended it to them because it looked interesting. It was a worker placement game. Um, actually, I'll just explain Snowdonia to you guys right now. So we're, uh, Snowdonia is a worker placement game where you are attempting to build the actual, instead of, if you know what, how Ticket to Ride works and you're actually laying down the, the trains on the tracks to connect routes and it's more abstract, this one, it, the game, the point of the game is to dig the channel and lay the track of the actual 
train. You never you never touch the trains. You just are digging the channel and laying the track. And you're moving up a specific mountain in Wales called Mount Snowdon. And they backed this one on Kickstarter and they received it this year. And honestly, it's it's a very solid and refreshing worker placement game. It's really fun. It's, um, yeah, the more I play it, the more I like it. And we got, like, um, Orin's mom got the, like, expanded edition that has a ton of different versions of the game you can play. Yeah. And we've only played, I think, the base one. I don't even think we've really branched out yet. I think one time we were going to play and I was going to have us play with the goats, <laughs> but we never actually ended up playing with the goats. To give you an idea of how much extra material came with this Kickstarter, though, like, how do I even explain it? There it's is just a, a huge box. Like, like the rule book for the game is, I want to say, 10 pages long. In addition to the rule book for the game, for the base game, there is a something like 100 page long compendium of every thing that you can do to change the game for all of the expansions for all of the scenarios which are not necessarily expansions but are essentially expansions <laughs> and then there is in addition to that i think there's close to oh i think there's 105 extra engine cards which you only ever play with six of them in the game so there are 100 it came with it came with eight of them in the box you play with six of them a game, and then it came with 105 extra ones. <laughs> and we discovered yesterday, actually, while we were playing, that the different train cards that you get available actually really change the game. Like, whatever you have available to you in terms of trains changes people's strategy. Yeah, it really did. Like, we've, until yesterday, we'd only played with the base engines in the game, which all allow you the ability to earn an extra worker. Yesterday, when we played, though, we played with different engines, and many of them didn't give you the ability to get an extra worker. I'm the only one who even got an extra worker yesterday. I'm the only person who used that mechanic. Yeah, and I... And not everyone even bought an engine. And I didn't even win. <laughs> I won. <laughs> I'm amazing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I had... The cool thing is I had the hot air balloon. I liked that. It, was, it wasn't, they're called engines, but they're more just modes of transportation, I guess, because some <laughs> of them are ridiculous. Anyways, that's Snowdonia. Very surprising this year. Uh, very good. Mm -hmm. Very refreshing. What were we talking about before well, we got into this? Well, you had this? asked me about books and then somehow we got back onto board games. Yeah, I don't even know. I We were talking about books and you were going, you were going through... I haven't even started going through them. You were going to, you were going to go through your top seven or eight and I was like, oh... I had a top right. five, and I wanted to mention the sixth one. Well, before I jump into my top ones, I kind of just want to give, like, a year in review kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, go ahead. I usually, at the end of every year, have some stats. Um, this, obviously, this isn't going to be quite accurate for my 2019 because it's not actually the year end yet, so I'm doing it up to today, I guess, mm. which is... What is the date today? So it's up till the 18th of December <laughs> because there are still... A few days left that I can really bump this up. Maybe we'll have to do some adjusting entries on Instagram. Oh, a yeah. fellow accountants out there who get what an adjusting <laughs> entry is. <laughs> so these are my uh, kind of end of year stats for 2019. So this was a this was a great reading year for me. My goal every year for the past, I don't know how many years, since like junior high, I think, I've been setting a goal of 50 books a year to read. Mm. Sometimes I really struggle to get to 50. Usually I read between 50 and 60. This year, 
I read 92, <laughs> which, to be quite honest, I think is because I haven't had a ton of editing projects, so I've been able to read a lot for fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping, I don't know if I can do this, I'll be amazed if I can, but I'm hoping that I can get to 100. We'll see. I have some days left, and I just took, like, what, six or seven books out of the library? <laughs> you have exactly 12 days left. Nope. 13 days left. 13 days to read... Eight books. Eight books. I can do it. You can totally do that. That's... I would be shocked if you didn't get it done. Especially because when we're at the cabin and we're skiing, you're going to be reading. You're going to be skiing. I have the whole day to read. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So anyway, my average rating for the year... So like when you take what I've rated every single book I've read, my average rating is 4.2 stars. Is this an actual calculation? Yeah. Okay. Because mine was just made up. No, if you go on Goodreads, it like, you can look at your year in review and it tells you how many pages you've read, what your average rating is, what the most popular book you've read is, that kind of stuff. It's Mm. really cool. But yeah, so my average rating for the year is 4.2 stars, which is really good. good. Yeah. I think though, because I used to not DNF books and then I would rate books lower, Mm. but I think since I started DNFing, my rating, average rating has gone up because I just won't read books that are less than three stars. And this is what I was trying to comment on earlier. Like your fives are, you give out so many more fives and so many less ones and twos. Mm-hmm. You know, so your, your, your data well, is a little is, skewed to the it, but it's higher skewed, end. It's skewed because I know what I like. Yeah. Which so I mean it's is. Like a, it's a good thing. Maybe. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. It's just good that you're just reading more books that you like yeah. and less books that you don't like. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. And then I kind of broke it up. Um, these aren't entirely accurate because I just kind of went through and tried to calculate. Uh, so I read 87% of the books that I read were written by women. Hmm. Uh, 25% of them, these stats are lower than I thought for these two. 25% of them are written by people of color and 27% had some sort of queer representation. That does feel less than what I expected. I definitely expected it to be higher because I feel like I've been reading a lot of books by people of color, but... I can't think of a single book that you have read this year that doesn't have queer representation off the top of my head. Out of 92 books, I can think of a lot. I can't. (laughs) I just remember the ones with queer representation, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I don't know. I thought I read more by people of color as well. I I must be doing worse than... I anticipated this year I didn't really have any goals to like last year I had a specific goal to read more diversely and I tried to carry that into this year but I obviously didn't carry it in as much as I had hoped Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think that will be reflected in my 2020 goals yeah (laughs) but anyway a lot of my favorites I think well I don't know maybe not two of them are by N.K. Jemisin though (laughs) Let me guess. Hmm? N.K. Jemisin's The Fifth Season. Wow. And N.K. Jemisin's How Long Till Black Future Month. Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so now I'll go and talk about my my favorites. So, so I, when I went through my Goodreads list, these are just the ones that like stuck out. Mm. So for short stories, I read actually quite a few short story collections this year. My favorite, hands down, was How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemisin. Perfect. Because it was just, oh my goodness, so good. I'm gonna, I've been like shouting this one for the rooftops and pushing it on all of my friends. Like, you need to read this book. I think. I think you need to read this book. I Lauren. think I should read this. You read it to me. You read one short story. From I think it I to read me. a couple of them to you. Yeah. No, I think it was just the one that you read. I think you described a ton of them to me. Mm. 
I would love to read this book. Especially after reading the fifth season, I think you would really like it. Oh, no. Before the fifth season, I already knew I was interested in this book. Yeah. After the fifth season, I think there's no excuse for me anymore. I should read this book. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) My next... um, Actually, a lot of these are fantasy because those books or those short stories in that collection were all science fiction fantasy. Hmm. Then um, another one of my favorites was a young adult fantasy, which was Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. And part of the reason why that one is my favorite, actually, is because, Oren, you read it. And I love the fact that you read it and loved it. Like, that makes it... I have influence over you. Oh, well, of course you do. (laughs) Like, that would have probably been one of my favorites before, because I think it's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. But I think that it stands out even more on my favorites list because we've been able to bond over it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, I... Sorry, can I just also say... Yeah. For us, for me this year, it has been a pretty weird year for trying to get... Trying to introduce Brenna to tabletop role-playing games like D&D for me. And it's still not quite caught on to the point where Brenna's like super, super into it, but Brenna has been open to trying it and she says that she likes it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the gateways there for some reason was actually Six of Crows. So I I feel very special about Six of Crows because one of your, like every, not one, some of the characters that I've introduced and characters that you have made have been based off of characters from Six of Crows. Yeah. And I just think that that's cool. It's got like sentimental value for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, it's we'll... also a strong book. Oh, it is for sure. Um, My next favorite book from this year is also fantasy. I've mentioned this one before briefly. It's called The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. This book I mentioned before, I think, because it's like a classic high fantasy book, like an epic fantasy, but she gets rid of a lot of fantasy tropes or like does things that you don't expect with them. Yeah, we have talked about this. I think we talked about it two episodes ago. I think it was longer ago than that. But anyways, um, so I'm going to actually describe the plot a little bit here because I haven't gone in depth, and my apologies if I pronounce these characters' names wrong, (laughs) uh, because I don't know how to pronounce a lot of them. But so there are two main characters in the story. Like, the the story bounces around to a lot of points of view, but there are two main ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their names are Eid and Tane. So Eid is a lady-in-waiting to Queen Sabrin. What does that mean, sir? What's a lady-in-waiting? It's, like, not really a maid, but, like, someone who... Who waits on you. Does maid kind of duties, but also visits with you and eats with you and... Interesting. So, basically... It's, like, a a companion. Basically a slave. Like a companion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway. So, Sabrin is queen of a land called Innis, and everyone is waiting for her to have a daughter because the royal line of Innis is passed down from mother to daughter. Mm. and there's, like, a a big bad dragon that has been defeated a long time ago, and there's, like, a prophecy, and basically she has to have a daughter. There's a lot of pressure on her to have a daughter to keep her kingdom safe, mm. essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um. So, Eid is her lady-in-waiting, and she's kind of there to protect her. She's got this secret magic that she can't tell anyone about because it's forbidden, But she's been using it this whole time to, like, stop the queen from being assassinated. Hmm. So Are there a lot of assassination attempts on her? Oh, yes. Why? (laughs) Because there are some people who do not want... Well, 
she's not married at the beginning, so there's, like, a plot to try and get her married so that she can have a kid. And if she can't be married, then she'll be killed. Well, some people just... I can't, I can't tell okay, you. Okay, yeah, sorry, all right, that's there's fine. Spoilers. Okay. But anyways, so that is one side of the storyline. Then Tane, on the other side, I think Eid is from the west and Tane's from the east... So Tane's been trained as a dragon rider, but at the very beginning of the book, she kind of gets herself into some trouble, and there's a lot of complex things happening with her storyline as well. Hmm. There's a lot of East versus West kind of dichotomy, dichotomy. because... Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> the people from the East think the people from the West have, like, really skewed beliefs and vice versa, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the main conflict Wait, in the story. Wait, is this real life? Or is this fantasy caught in a landslide that will escape from reality? Okay. Um, anyways, but there's like a common enemy that they have. And the question of the story is like, can they and will they unite? How will this all come together? How will these various storylines play in with each other? But it's so like the characters are super memorable and the world building is incredible. And I love that Samantha Shannon takes these tropes and, like, inverts them mm -hmm. or does something completely unexpected with them mm -hmm. in ways that make you question your own assumptions. Yeah. You know? Like, I one... And we've that's what we've talked about with this book before. Like, we've yeah. never really gone in depth with it, but, like, the, the fact that this book is really important to read if only because it literally... It's meaningful for more than just the story. Yes. It's meaningful for... In the way in which the story is told. Exactly. It's it's a meaningful... It should impact, hopefully impact, what good fiction looks like. Yes, 100%. And what... Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, I gave the story four out of five stars because I almost DNF'd it. Like, I think I read up to page 150 before I really got into it. Like, I was struggling a lot. And I don't know if it's because I just wasn't in the mood to read that kind of book. Mm -hmm. I want to reread it to see if that happens again. Yeah. Because I don't know if the beginning of the story is actually slow or if that's just, like, I wasn't interested in high fantasy at the time. Yeah. But. Maybe we'll find out. Because I'm really glad I finished it because it's probably the book that has stuck with me the most through 2019 we've certainly talked about it so much it would either be at least in my opinion based on what i know it would either be that or six of crows mm -hmm. would be the one that stuck with you yeah so yeah that was one of my favorite fantasies and then the fifth season was the other which we just finished yesterday yep uh, another one of my favorite books this year is a graphic novel called <laughs> it's called the tea dragon society by katie o'neill <laughs> this made it to your top five. It's so cute. Wow. I This book just makes me so happy. Looking at the illustrations makes me so happy. So I read this book because I watched, um, if you guys know Zoe, she's a YouTuber. I think Read by Zoe is her uh, booktube name. Um, she read this book in a vlog and then I was like, oh my gosh, that looks adorable. I need to read it. And I was having a really bad day, so I just went out and bought it to make mm -hmm. myself happy. And I'm so glad I did. And I look <laughs> at it a lot. It's like sitting over there. <laughs> but I love it. It's about this, the protagonist is this girl named Greta and she's a blacksmith's apprentice. And then one day she goes into a marketplace and finds this lost tea dragon. And tea dragons are basically these adorable little, almost Pokemon looking things. They're little tiny dragons and they're each themed around like a specific tea mm. but they all grow little leaves out of their head and you can like 
brew tea from them and like that you can relive memories and stuff depending on the kind of dragon and what kind of tea that their leaves make yeah but they're just so freaking cute and the story is so cute like greta ends up meeting these people that are in the tea dragon society and she learns like how to take care of a tea dragon what a tea dragon is yeah and she learns about the lives of these people and there is a second one i don't remember if it's out already or if it's coming out but I'm gonna get it because this book makes me so happy. I like the concept of tea dragons. Just like, like my head immediately goes, oh, how can I make this? How can I put this into D&D? Like, <laughs> how can I steal this and make tea dragons in D&D? I just like the idea. I like the, I like the concept of the book. I guess to me, it just, and I know this is wrong because I hate people who do this with board games, but it, I'm almost like, it looks too young. <laughs> well, it's a middle grade graphic novel. I know, I know. But like, that shouldn't stop me from wanting to read it. Yeah, the same shouldn't. in the same way that a simple game is not lesser than a more complex game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just wish I so wish tea dragons were real. I want a tea dragon. Well, maybe you can have one in D and D. They're so cute. They are cute. I love also, tea other thing about this, I believe a little bit ago on Kickstarter, I think I saw them kickstarting a game for tea, tea dragon society I think, oh, I think there is a game yeah i think i told you about it as well There's it's like a card game it's like a card yeah it's a card game that has to do with tea dragon society so that's a little crossover there between the book world and the game world guess we'll just have to get it yeah it's i guess just we'll just we we are we are now collecting everything that is tea dragon <laughs> just to have it <laughs> i would seriously i I, love them. I know you would <laughs> <laughs> and then i also had like one more category where i noticed some books standing out for me and that was nonfiction. So one of them was the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. So this is clearly, it's the true story told by Malcolm X himself of his life. Mm -hmm. And it was just so fascinating to read, like to find out about this huge historical figure Mm -hmm. and find out kind of the, not just what people say about him and what the media has said about him, but how he expresses the things that have happened in his life. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was just so interesting to read, and I think about that one a lot as well. And I felt like, at the end of the book, I felt like I knew Malcolm X, and then to read his assassination was heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, ugh, it just, it hit me like a punch to the gut. Like, it was hard to read. I distinctly remember the time when we were reading, when you were reading this book. I wasn't reading it, but, like, I remember you talking to me about it, and Mm -hmm. talking about what was like with Malcolm X and I remember you also talking like I feel like I know him and I and like this these personalities like this and I just I remember you reading the book Mm -hmm. it was a brick of a book but it was I remember you reading it I also remember that like it's weird to me like I feel like I never even knew who Malcolm X was until you talked about him well I barely knew who he was but now no but like, like I didn't like apparently he was famous yeah and I never heard of him like it's just that's nuts to me that you hadn't even heard of it's just like a weird it's usually people usually present like martin luther king and malcolm x on both sides of like the civil right movement yeah i literally like i may have heard of him but like when you were like oh yeah like malcolm x and then you like talked about like how he was associated in the news with like some kind of like not like rebel movement but like with black he was associated with the black panthers yeah the black panthers yeah 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 you talk and i was like i've never even heard of either of these groups that's just wild to i me. know it, I, it's wild to me too i More feel people should know who Malcolm i feel is. naive for not knowing i also feel like i learned a lot about islam through it because malcolm x goes on kind of his own uh spiritual journey 
through the book, like, through his life. Yeah. So finding out kind of where he came from and how his faith journey went yeah. uh, helped me understand more about Islam as well. Yeah. It's just, it's such a good book. I think more people should read it, really. Cool. Yeah. And cool. then the other nonfiction book that sticks out to me is one of my favorites this year. It's called The Library Book by Susan Orlean. This one is, wow, I love this book. This is about a really big fire that happened at the Los Angeles Public Library in 1986. Like, thousands and thousands of books were lost. Like, the whole library had to basically be reconstructed. This, this fire was huge. So this book is kind of... A presentation of what happened in the fire, also an investigation into who started the fire, mm-hmm. like who they think started the fire, what the trials possible were like. Possible motives were. And... Yeah, possible motives, suspects. So it's a little bit true crimey, mm-hmm. um, but the whole thing revolves around libraries. So as Susan Orlean presents this story about what happened in the specific library, she talks about, like, she tells the story of specific librarians and people involved in the library system. Mm-hmm. So you get to find out how libraries work, how important they are to communities, like what they actually do with the services that they provide. So the whole book, while focusing on this one story of a library fire, really, in such an intelligent and engrossing way, expresses the importance of libraries in general and what they do for the population. And I just, I love that because I want to be a librarian. Like, that is my top career goal. And to just read this book and see the passion that this woman put into researching and everything, it was just, oh, I loved it so much. Can I just pause the podcast for a second and say, I am sad that we don't have a YouTube channel because you are so adorable when you're talking about that book and you are so passionate about it. I mean, you do this with a lot of books, but like you just you look beautiful when you talk about books. Oh, thanks. I feel like that should be a quote. Put that on a mug. You're beautiful when you talk about books. <laughs> Gosh. Don't make me cry on the podcast. You're so... I don't know. That was really attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Back to podcast stuff. Um, People don't want to hear about that. So I guess that was basically our year in review, hey? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should talk more about the board games, but... Well, I think we've talked about all the board games on your list. Yeah. We've talked about Wingspan multiple times. We've talked about Gloomhaven multiple times. I just mentioned... Like, I only went through the books that we haven't talked about, so... Yeah. It's weird to me that we haven't talked about so many of your top ones, though. That's because I read a lot of those before we started podcasting. Good point. Yeah. That's yeah. why they they weren't in the podcast yet. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Gloomhaven, we, we do... talked about on here. We've talked about on tour on here. We've talked about Wingspan. Yeah. Talked about Snowdonia now. We've talked about Clank and Space. Yes. And we've talked about Scythe. Mm-hmm. So now I think we have all we have left for this episode is to give our recommendation of the week. Well, first off, let me say... Strongly recommend that you check out those board games next year. And the books that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And also in the coming new year, keep an eye out if you are a fan of Gloomhaven and you somehow don't know about this yet, keep an eye out for Gloomhaven's sequel coming out called Frosthaven. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Um, It's going to be a recommendation of the week when it comes on Kickstarter in this podcast, but I am just really excited about it right now, so I wanted to talk about it. Um, It's coming out. At least the Kickstarter is going to be in 2020. So keep an eye out for that, 100%. And if you don't have Gloomhaven yet, and you're kind of interested in a dungeon-crawling game with light story elements and role-playing 
in the sense that you have a character that grows, but you don't have to roleplay anything in it, check out Gloomhaven. All right, recommendations of the week. <laughs> My recommendation this week is to check out Wormwood. If you are into... I'm gonna... I'm gonna second that. Yeah, if you're into tabletop role-playing games, this is the kind of stuff that I look at and cry because I can't afford. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're doing... I don't know if they'll still be doing it by the time this podcast goes up, but they have been doing gif- giveaways a lot recently because it's the holidays. They do gaming tables. They do... Wormwood is basically high-quality, beautiful gaming accessories. Yeah. Like, tabletop um, gaming accessories. Not even just for tabletop gaming, though. Like, you can use these for a lot of things. They ha- they do have a lot of stuff that is specific to D&D or tabletop games. But, like, you can use a dice tower in a lot of games where you have That's to roll true. dice. And you can use, like, they literally craft board game tables mm-hmm. that are meant to work really well for all your board games and um they just have like dice towers dice boxes dice dice. vaults uh they don't i don't think they actually make their own dice but they do sell some wormwood wormwood branded stuff uh dice that is worth checking out check it out because if you can afford this it is yeah it's a bit beautiful it is a bit pricey for us but we're also in canada so canada (laughs) versus u.s dollars is intense right now (laughs) just intense actually yeah um my recommendation is u.s dollars as well so it is a little bit pricey for us in canada but uh i really think that if you are a you don't even have to be a reader if you're a tea drinker if you just like warm beverages um go to on instagram search up rosalind love she makes these absolutely gorgeous mugs i have one right now i'm drinking tea out of it it says but first, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, her Instagram account is just gorgeous. She just had a son this year and she posts photos of him all the time and he's super cute. But her mugs and stuff that she makes are so nice. Like, they're beautiful. And I just want to support her because, you know, she's a small business. So Yeah. Check her out. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll also have the link to her Instagram in the show notes. Yes, for yeah. sure. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 14 of The Hobby Shelf. We hope you enjoyed it and we would greatly appreciate, please, 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 if you would click that subscribe button (laughs) and leave us a review so other people can find us. That was great. You you. can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Hobby Shelf. Or you can send us an email at thehobbyshelfpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at brennadaviesediting.com slash thehobbyshelf. All of the books and games we mentioned will be in the show notes along with our recommendations of the week. We are grateful to record this podcast on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Sutina, the Stony Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation of Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta, where we live, play, and work. This is our last episode of 2019, so tune back in on January 6th when we talk about our goals for 2020 and we're also going to be talking i'm going to be talking about my aspirations or things that i'm excited about when it comes to board games Mm -hmm. and remember just keep expanding your shelf it's been a great year 